Welcome to A Moment with God's Word. My name is Jeff Ballard. Today we're going to be reading in the book of Daniel, chapter 5. We'll start at verse 1. It says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came came forth fingers of a man's hand and rolled over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and shew me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. The first thing we want to look at is the arrogance of this king. See, during this time, there's a war going on outside and they're behind this big thick wall so they think they're safe. And he's so arrogant about everything that he's he's sure he's gonna win the war. And he, he misuses the things of God. He's having this big party behind this wall and he says, bring in the gold and the silver stuff that, you know, that his dad, Nebuchadnezzar, stole out of the temple, out of God's temple. You know, so we see him misusing the things of God. And we see that a lot today in the world. We see a lot of people misuse God's word. We see a lot of people misuse God's house. And we, not, and we need to be real careful about that because, you know, there's a price to be paid for, for the evil and the wrong that we do. So, it, so the arrogance of the king, we see him misusing the things of God. He esteems himself higher than what he actually is. You know, he thinks real high of himself. He thinks, you know, I'm the king. I can do whatever I want to, you know. And he thinks himself high enough to use the things of God in any way he wants to. You see, that relates back to the arrogance that he has. And he's so arrogant that while he's misusing these things, he's worshiping other gods with them. 
you know, so not only is he misusing the things of God and acting like, you know, there's nothing he's going to have to answer for because he's a king. He's using the things of God to worship other gods. But we see real quick, the second thing I want you to look at is, is God's attitude adjustment. We see real quick that God wakes him up, don't we? We see his countenance change. It says in verse 6, Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. I don't know how you interpret that, but the way I interpret that is he pretty well messed up his, his drawers, and his knees were shaking. You know, I, I guess if I seen a hand come up here out of nowhere and start writing something on the wall, knowing that I was disrespecting the one true God, I'd say I'd be pretty shaken up too. <clears throat> okay. See, he took the holy vessels that were in the house of God and he desecrated them by drunkenness, by debauchery, and by idolatry. He pretty well spit in God's face when he done this. He pretty well, you know, turned his nose up, thumbed his nose, whatever you want to say. He he pretty well told God, hey, I don't need you. I'm big enough on my own. And this is what I think of your stuff. So we see his countenance gets changed real quick. We see that he... he Pretty much the way I take verse 6, he messed himself and his knees begin to shake one against the other. We see that fear set in. You know, he knows what he's done. He knows that he's went wrong against God. You know, he knows, he knows God's strength and power because of Nebuchadnezzar that was before him. So we see that fear set in. We see him beg for help. Verse 7, it says, The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayer. He's calling for everybody. Hey, anybody, somebody come interpret this for me. Somebody come explain to me what this message says. But he's looking in the wrong place. You see, if we want to understand a message from God, we need to turn to God into God's people. You know, a born-again Christian should never look outside of godly people and God's word for advice. That's where our that's where our, we get our our rules and, and what we go by. We don't make it up on our own. We don't go to somebody who's who's living in sin and don't believe in God and ask them how to how to live a godly life. And that's where a lot of a lot of Christians are messing up. They're listening to the world instead of getting in God's word and reading God's word and listening to God's word. So we see he asked everyone but God or God's man what to do. The mysterious writing on the wall turned their feast into a nightmare. It changed the whole tone of everything. So if we flip over 
in chapter 5 to verse 17, we see, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. See, Daniel's pretty much, he's, he's not, you know, he's been set out to pasture or something. He's not there. And uh, the king trying to find interpretation, his wife remembers that, hey, you know, there's this guy, Daniel, that, you know, he's he's been pretty good at interpreting dreams and stuff. And so, and he's a godly man. So they bring him in. Okay. And they offer him all this stuff. And, and Daniel says, I don't want it. I don't want your stuff. You keep your gifts and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. See, Daniel ain't doing it for reward. He's doing it to serve God, to do God's will. That's his reward. He ain't doing it to make a profit off of it. He ain't doing it to, to go out here and, and see how big a house or how big a church he can build. He is doing it strictly for God. In verse 18, it says, O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would slew, and whom he would keep alive, and whom he would set up, and whom he would put down. You see, God gave him all this stuff and all this power and ability. You know, he's reminding him, you know, God's the one that gave Nebuchadnezzar all this stuff. And, you know, if you think back to them earlier verses, that's who he's turned his nose up to, is God. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened, we're in verse 20. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Said his mind was hardened with pride. See, when he got prideful and hardened his heart against God, he lost his glory. They took all that kingly stuff away. And verse 21 says, And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast and his dwelling was with the wild asses they fed him with grass like oxen and his body was wet with dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God ruled in the kingdom of men and that he appointeth over it whomever he will you see God just God will only let you turn so far against him He'll only let you turn so far away. And it sounds to me reading this like God gave the king a reprobate mind where he would believe a fantasy. 
he made him basically crazy. This guy's out here, he's chewing on grass out in the field with the animals. He is basically living out there like he's a donkey. All right? Until he knew the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men. And that he appointeth over it whomsoever he will. See, he had to wake Nebuchadnezzar up. And Daniel's pointing this out to Belshazzar so he'll understand, look, he done went through this. Why are you going through it again? You know? See, we got to learn from history. We got to learn from other people's mistakes and stuff that they do if we want to grow. Okay, in verse 22 it says, And now his son, O Belshazzar, Hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. He's saying, you knew, you've seen what he went through. And you still don't humble your heart before God? You still want to disrespect the things of God? After seeing everything took away from him, you still want to treat God that way. We'll start in verse 23. It says, But hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified? He said, you're praising gods that can't even hear or see. False gods. He said, you're praising these gods that ain't even real gods, but the one who holds your breath, the one who gives you life, and the one who can take it in the blink of an eye, you don't praise. In verse 24, Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written. Mene, Mene, Tekel, you you farson or a farson mene mene tekel a farson and Daniel says this is interp- this is the interpretation of, of the thing mene God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it tekel means thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. Verse 30 says, In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. 
and Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. Let's back back up to verse 22. It said, And thou, and thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all these things. One thing I want you to really see here, Belshazzar knew what he was supposed to do. And he knew what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He knew who the one true God was. But no one is not doing. You see, you can know all the scripture you want to know. You can memorize every word of that Bible and you can throw it out there as pretty as you want to put it out there. But if you're not living for God, if you're not applying that scripture to your life to make you more Christ-like, if you're not putting forth that effort, if you're not trying, then it's a waste. It's vanity. You're doing it in vain. It should, it's a waste of time. You see, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, okay, if you've devoted your life to Him, get turned your life over to Him, then you should be taking what's in this Bible and applying it to your life. You should be trying to change. You should be putting forth that effort. You shouldn't be repeating the same stuff. Okay? But no one is not doing you can know all the scripture that you want. If you're not applying it to your life, then you don't really have anything. You're not living for God. Belshazzar knew better, but still went against God. God gave him everything. And these people, they hardened their hearts against him. We see that in the world today all over. We see people that have hardened their hearts against God because they don't like the way things turned out or the way things happened. You know, if we ain't careful, we all get guilty of that sometimes. But we want to be real careful and tread real lightly when, when things don't go our way. We need to still be thankful for the things God has given us. That verse that said they were weighed and found wanting. What that means is he set his life up on a scale. And he weighed the good against the bad. And what he's saying is he was, it was over. He had done so much bad that it outweighed the good so much. He was done. that verse said God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished what he told him right then is you're done today your days have been numbered your rule has been numbered and you're done it's over see it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't matter how much we know of God or how much we know God's word it only matters how committed we are to act on it. It matters how committed we are to act on it and 
what he has taught us to it. You see, every time we open this book, listen to a preacher, we should be learning something. When I read this story, I see a lot of the problems that we have today in modern times. I see a lot of people that use the church and things of God for their own benefit, for their own glory, whether it be to make money off of it or to throw their chest up and slap herself on the back, you know. We need to be real careful that we don't fall into that mindset. We need to be real careful that we don't treat God's house or the things of God as a social club. See, you get to where people think they own the church, they forget that that church has an owner. God's the only one that owns that church. I don't care if you laid every brick in it. God's the only one that owns that church. So remember, knowing is not doing. It doesn't matter how much scripture we memorize or how many chapters we read a day. If you're not applying it to your life, you know, then you're doing it. It's vain. It's done for no effect. There's no purpose. Scripture should bring about change. We need to be looking at what God wants us to change in our life every time we read this book. I'd like to thank you for tuning in again today, and you know I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. You know you can reach out to me, or I think you can send a message through these. Uh, but. I'd like to hear your thoughts. If nothing else, I hope it gets you reading your Bible to see how you interpret it, how you feel about it. Thank you for tuning in again.